0: Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. What are your thoughts about menopause? Do you anticipate this time of life with fear or trepidation? And what about the men out there? Do you have stereotypes about how women in your life behave while going through menopause? Well, we're about to break open this topic. There's so many myths about this time in a woman's life and how we treat ourselves and are treated by others. I have Dr. Ariana Scholes douglas with me today. She's a board certified obstetrician and gynecologist, as well as board certified in maternal fetal medicine. She's been in practice for over two decades. And Dr. Scholes Douglas is the author of The Menopause Myth What Your Mother, Doctor, and Friends Haven't Told You About Life After 35. She's the founder of Tula Wellness Center, a unique medical practice in Tucson, Arizona, focusing on women's health and beauty. And she specializes in integrative women's health, which is a subspecialty of gynecology that incorporates evidence-based alternative medical therapies to promote healing. As an innovator in the medical community, for much of her career, Dr. Ariana has developed the High Risk Pregnancy Center at Mercy Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland, back in 1997. And she served as clinical faculty at multiple prestigious institutions, including UCLA, University of Maryland, and Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. She's made numerous media appearances on the Discovery Health Channel, and she served as the woman's doctor on Baltimore's NBC News affiliate, as well as having her writing published on various different sites. Welcome, Dr. Ariana, and thank you so much for joining me today on Perspectives. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you about this topic. I read your book, and I really enjoyed it, and I wish it had been around decades ago. um, I've already told so many of my friends that um, they need to read it and we need to give it to our kids. um, Because because this is just a topic that, um, and I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if it's just in terms of the times that we grew up in, but menopause is something that was never really discussed. And you start your book by talking about separating the myths about menopause from the reality, so I sort of wanted to start with your sharing with us what some of these common myths are. Sure, yeah, there's um, a lot of what kind of
2: drove me to write the book was, again, my own kind of misunderstanding and the fact that I missed my own diagnosis, um, and I was a gynecologist, so I realized that I had some learning to do there, and um, so one of the biggest myths is when menopause occurs. Uh, first of all, the definition of menopause is the cessation of menses in, you know, a reproductive woman. After um, the, a year of of no menses would indicate she's in menopause. So you can have irregular menstrual cycles. It doesn't really refer to women who are still very reproductive, but especially after forty, and you stop having your cycles very normal, but you are not menopausal until it's been an entire year. But okay. the average age of menopause being about 52, um, that means that's when that last, that's a year after that woman's last cycle. Um, uh-huh. But you can be menopausal at 45. And it's really not the menopause that's the issue for a lot of people. It's the perimenopause. It's the, the five to eight to ten years preceding when she actually stops menstruating. So, if you are kind of genetically designed to, at some point, have, be menopausal at 45, you could really start having symptoms of perimenopause in your late 30s, and that's what happened to me. And so one of the myths, you know, I was having hot flashes and mood swings and worse PMS, and I didn't know, I didn't realize that I could be impacted that early, and that's probably the number one myth. Um, that people, just women, don't understand. They think that it's
1: happening to them, like, you know, in their 50s, but it can be literally in their 30s. Well, that was what was really interesting to me as I was reading the book because you talked about how somebody could be having these um, perimenopausal symptoms even when they are um, in childbearing years and having children. Is that? Yes, absolutely. And again, that's why it didn't register with me. I was on uh,
2: my second child. Um, and I just, you know, having the night sweats, I just, I mean, I think my life is just between work and kids. And I just, I, I just never slowed down enough to realize, Oh my God, geez, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> perimenopausal. And it's, you don't think of yourself as perimenopausal when you have a two year old. So, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it never entered my consciousness until about probably a good three to Four years in, and then I was like, "Oh, oh, that's what's going on here." Um, and I just, I just wasn't prepared. And you know, going through medical school and residency and all the training, that's just—it's not emphasized. Perimenopause isn't really talked about a lot. They just, you know, you know what the definition of menopause is, but you don't really understand the psychological, the physical, um, all the impact that these symptoms have on women. Um, we're working now. It's different. It's the same hormonal changes that you have as a, um, you know as adolescent. So just think about when you're an adolescent, and you know we expect adolescents to kind of go through this crazy time, and right. uh, some of it is you know attributable to their hormonal fluctuations. Well. We're going through very similar hormonal fluctuations, but now we got jobs and we have families and responsibilities and, you know, and we're not really prepared for that. Um, So it can really be take people aback, you know, if they're not, they're really not expecting it.
1: Well, I I agree. It's um, I feel often, especially as women, I feel that we sort of, make excuses for how we're feeling that, oh, it's just because I've been working too many hours or my kids are really young and, you know, it, they're up all night or they're not sleeping or there's stress from something else. And we don't stop to think, oh, maybe this is something that I should look into and see what's going on with me. Um, so I think some of that is we, we just put those symptoms aside and ex- try to explain them away.
2: Yeah, I think that's what a lot of women do and we at the end of the day we put ourselves kind of last. We just figure, well, I'll I'll come back to that or I'll deal with that. It's probably not a big, you know, it's I'll be okay, you know, cuz we we're strong. We we can handle it and we we've gone through, you know, a lot of other things. So we just figure it's just another one of those things you got to just manage and keep it moving.
1: Well, so and this has been happening for generations. So clearly women have been going through menopause for as long as Women have been around. Why? Why has it? Why do you think nobody's ever really talked about it? I mean, um, for a long time, actually, my mother passed away when I was quite young, and she was an obstetrician and a gynecologist. So I used to think to myself that if she were around, I might have been more aware. Um, but. Why do you think yeah. we don't tell our daughters and sons? And that's another point I want to get to a little bit later, but just it's not just about letting women know, but women, everybody. Um, why don't we talk right. about it? Well, okay, a couple things to consider. First of
2: all, we're living longer. So culturally, it really wasn't a conversation that was very relevant, you know, um, 100 years ago, because we really weren't living as long. But with technology and you know, everything that has has changed in our ability to um, just even have better qualities of life longer, we are now looking at spending, you know, 50% of our adult life, in or at least 30 thirty to 40%, I should say, in that post-menopausal period, whereas that wasn't the case before. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is... Um, I, and trust me i I think about this a lot like what what is what's up with that why why don't we talk about it? even now um you know, I get all kind of different looks and like, oh, you know, there's just a lot of misinformation, not none information um I think the second thing is just kind of the patriarchy in um um, medicine and how men were typically more um, of the those providers that were giving women information, and so I don't think necessarily a lot of information was either understood, and if whatever was understood, it wasn't passed, you know, down to the patients as right. as well as it could have been. Um, but uh, and and I know that in part of it because I and again this is where some of the frustration came for me in writing the book was I literally had patients that would tell me like they're, and it's not just male uh, gynecologists, um, male and female gynecologists who would say things like, I don't believe in hormones or, um, you know, you've been with your husband for 20 years. You should expect, you know, intercourse to hurt." And it's like, you know, what kind of ridiculousness. Um, I mean, this is things that are being said today um, or people being put on antipsychotics and antidepressants for very common menopausal symptoms that, you know, if you look at the root cause. So I think a lot of it um, has to do with, you know, the medical community and what we haven't really come to understand and appreciate and educate women. And and I think a lot of women are looking, they they look to their doctor to tell them this, and that's just not a conversation that doctors are really having Um I have several patients that tell me they try to have this conversation with their doctor, but it's difficult in the the, the current medical model that we have because, you know, we, we have quick visits, and, you know, if you're not either doing a procedure as a physician or if you're not seeing a high volume of patients, you can't really survive, so doctors are doing what they have to do to make their ends meet. Um, they're doing what they've been trained to do, so... Definitely on the physician's end, there's that. And then in terms of the family unit, um, I, you know, in different lectures that I've given, I typically ask women, how many of you have had a mother, aunt, sister, friend, anybody sit down and talk to you about menopause? And typically, I mean, maybe one out of a 100, at most five out of a 100 women will raise their hand. Um, And so there, I don't even know. I even asked my own mom and she just... You know, some of them had hysterectomy, so they never really understood where their menopause fit in because they kind of were, you know, surgically became menopausal in their mid-30s. That was a very common procedure. So there are a million reasons, lots of reasons anyway, as you can understand that we're not Mm -hmm. having this conversation, but kind of my new mission in life is like, we need to have this conversation because it's impacting the quality of life of women. And this is our prime. You're in your prime of life, but now you're you're uh, in some cases debilitated by the hormonal fluctuations and all the other things that come as a result.
1: Right. So uh, I I find this fascinating that we as women don't talk to our to other women. Um, we. I know that amongst peers, people will often joke about, oh, you're having a hot flash, you're going through menopause or whatever, it'll be fine, just give it a minute. And it becomes a very lighthearted conversation. Um, but yeah. what, from reading your book, from personal experiences, and from from conversations with others that are closer friends that one can have a deeper conversation with, you're right, it it can be very debilitating. And in my private practice where I work with mental health concerns, I have had women come to my practice where their physicians have offered to give them antidepressants um, yep. thinking that they're depressed and um, probably Very they're, they're not. I mean, they might feel depressed but they're they're not depressed enough to warrant that medication. Um, right. So it's, uh, it's, it's a an-
2: It's a problem, and I, you know, I struggled when I wrote it because I didn't want to sound like I was, like, bashing the medical community, but the reality is, you know, this is an area where we're missing, or we are missing the boat, and we are, women are suffering, Um, and it's not just the women, it's their families, you know, their kids, their husbands, and again, as I write in the book, it's just, like, when you feel, for myself, I literally was feeling homicidal, like, I was like, I hate this man so much. And he has just walked in a room and I don't even know where this rage is coming from. But, and I knew something's not right here. Like, you know, I just, it, but it took it being that extreme for me to be like, oh, wow, like something's not right. So, um, it is impacting relationships, you know? Um, because it changes, it changes our perspective. And again, it's our, our, as our estrogen levels fall, our brain chemistry changes. So there's, there's just so many things that are happening. And if you don't, if you're not aware, um, that this is happening, then you, you know, you're just dealing with the emotion. And so, um, I think that knowledge is power, and I think that's why it's so important for us to start having this conversation with our daughters, with our friends, and not making lighthearted jokes about it, and and I, you know, still now, I see women, and they're fanning, and I'll be like, come see me, girl, you know, you need to see me, but it's still kind of lighthearted, like, but nobody's like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but trying to help you really manage it, and there's. Nobody's getting any tools. You're kind of on your own. After you have a baby, um, in terms of you know gynecology, it's kind of like, yep, there's nothing more, much more down there to, to, to deal with, but there's a lot um, right.
1: because we well, are home- still having sex. We'll hold that thought because we're going to go to a commercial break now. Please stay tuned. We're talking to Dr. Ariana about menopause and life after 35. If you have questions, you can email me, Dr. Vidisha Patel, at drv 4 at and we will be right back.
0: Your life. Have you stopped to think seriously about hypnosis, hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for hypnosis everywhere. Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions hypnosis everywhere the simpson protocol airs live every wednesday at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on voice america health and wellness
2: do you feel that you aren't at your best
0: when it comes to your personal health even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into one 866 472 5792 That's one 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to perspectives.
1: Welcome back to perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm here in conversation with Dr. Ariana. We're talking about menopause and her book, the menopause myth. Um, Dr. Ariana. you know, I'm fascinated by this conversation. I just, I find so much of the work I do and what happens in society is that we're just not communicating enough information and it's about lots of, in lots of different areas and in the conversation with you, it's specifically about menopause. Um, but tell me if you can you said you discovered yourself that you were going through Perry years after you had actually started. Um, how did you sort of, and this is your field. So how, how did you come to figure it out? Um,
2: you know, I think it was literally that the moment and I wrote about it in the book, which was, I literally was like, I want to kill my husband. Like I, I was very serious in that moment, like, how could I kill him and get away with it? Um, And I obviously stopped myself and, you know, thought about, obviously, what the consequence would be. I did go so far as to Google something like poisoning somebody. And then, again, I realized, yeah, I'm already caught because they cannot. They'll just catch me. But I knew at that moment that I was not right. And, um, again, that we all get frustrated with our partners, but... You know, you think you want to start killing them or they just walk in a room and, you know, you hate them for no reason. And then my kids, too. I was just like, I literally was like, I hate these people. Like, I had this disdain for everyone in the house. And I just finally was like, okay, maybe it's me. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then I just started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I was like, oh, I did have hot flashes. Um, yeah, my, my PMS is way worse. Um, and then it's it just, but I don't, I didn't. I was still menstruating, so it didn't occur to me that I was perimenopausal because I'm just thinking, when you're menopausal, I'll just stop having a menses, and then I'll be menopausal, and then maybe I'll start getting some hot flashes. But that's not how it works. You know, you can have the right. hot flashes. Some people have them for one day. Some people get one hot flash. Some people get, you know, five hundred a day. Some people, you know, have them for ten years. Some people have them in their seventies. It's 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 uh, very. Um, it's different for every person. So it was really the extreme of me just feeling completely out of sorts, not being able to think straight. I just, I literally thought I was getting all timeless. I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was just a hot mess. So I had to stop and be like, okay, what's going on? But I was also under a lot of stress. So I thought that it was all the stress I was under that was, you know, causing some of these things. But I had to, again, step back and
1: and figure it out that way. So who did you who did you figure it out with? So, you know, if a woman is having these concerns, who's listening, or a man is listening and feels that his spouse or friend is having these sorts of um, symptoms, do you go to your gynecologist? Do you go to an internist? Does it matter who you go to? What would you recommend?
2: Um, I I think generally speaking that the gynecologist is the better Um, health professional to work with but not all gynecologists are created equal and so the one thing I would definitely advise people is you know have that conversation do your own research first learn for yourself what these symptoms are if you're over if you're definitely over 40 you're you should just really start researching what menopause perimenopause looks like so everybody kind of understands the word menopause or heard of it but they don't really get that there's that perimenopause thing that comes before that that's really where a lot of the havoc starts. So having the conversation with your gynecologist, making sure you're on the same page. If your gynecologist says something like, I'll start you on antidepressant, or I don't believe in hormones, or you're too young, um, then they're probably not um, as informed as they could be, and you want to find somebody who either specializes in it or... Um, you know, I'm starting actually even a, a kind of a coaching program now where I'm like, okay, there are people who really are hungry for this information and we want to have a way for us to sit down and, and have open discussion about this and really look at their lives in detail. And most, again, most doctors don't have that kind of time to sit down and really go in depth. So right. starting it with your gynecologist, you know, um, the internist could be a good start, but don't, you know, at the end of the day, I'd say, don't expect your doctor to know more about this topic than you do, and I know that sounds bad, but um, based on the responses that I've heard from patients and the things that their internists, gynecologists, um, psychiatrists are telling them, um, I have to believe that there are a lot of uh, practitioners out there that, who, are, who are misinformed or uninformed, and um, you, as a patient, Um, Whether it's menopause or any other medical topic, you really have to empower yourself with your own knowledge walking in the door. Otherwise, um, it could not be a great experience.
1: Okay, that's great advice for for everyone. Um, uh, And I would be interested if you could uh, sort of outline for us uh, some of the the symptoms that we would see in perimenopause because they seem to overlap with a lot of other... um, Yes medical concerns or psychiatric concerns so yeah can, yes. can you describe for us what it what perimenopause looks like sure so one of the first things
2: that you may notice is your your menstrual cycles become more irregular so you might skip a cycle they might be a little heavier they might be a little lighter um, and so that could just be it that could be the only thing you're noticing it could be that you're, if you have PMS, so you might feel more emotional during your normal PMS time or you feel like that time is extended. I think that's what happened to me. I felt like I was, like, irritable all month. So it was, like, not just, like, a few <laughs> days before, but I was, like, feeling that way all the time. And I was just, what's going on here? So just looking at mood swings, worsening PMS, abnormal menstrual cycles, um decrease in libido um, can happen a lot and again that confuses people because if you got young kids and you're working and you know you just you're tired so you think that <laughs> right. that's a normal sorry um, you, um, you think that's a normal um process but it It isn't necessarily, it can be just from fatigue. Um, also, as you mentioned, there's overlap with other medical conditions. So the thyroid is very uh, much, I have found in a lot of patients, especially age, that the thyroid function declines in a lot of those symptoms, which can be fatigue, um, difficulty with sleep, um, Fuzzy thinking, a lot of those symptoms overlap, so you also want to make sure that you're getting your thyroid as fast, especially if um, some of the more um, mental health or psychiatric symptoms are there. So, fuzzy thinking, not being able to recall names, not being able to remember. Um, if you had ADD and it was, like, manageable, you might notice that it's now becoming unmanageable, like you just, you're not being able to multitask the same way, um, hair loss, change in skin, um, just uh, heart palpitations. That was another thing I kept getting in. Again, that takes some women to the emergency room. Um, that's normal estrogen changes, but you do want to get it checked out. But those are some of the very common symptoms that can just, you can miss because you don't realize.
1: Well, so you brought up the thyroid, and you actually devote an entire chapter to thyroid and adrenals. Um, And I'm interested about that because I know so many people who have thyroid issues and every, you could probably go to some event with women and almost every single woman there would say that they have hypothyroid or hyperthyroid or something. Is it really the thyroid or is it the perimenopause or is it both? Can you talk to us about that thyroid and then also the adrenal connected, connection to yeah. the thyroid?
2: So, yeah, the thyroid is huge, and um, it can be completely separate from anything perimenopausal. But, again, right, all of our hormones are working in concert, so you can't just necessarily carve one hormone out and say, this is causing this and this is causing that, because they do look very similar in terms of the symptoms. But for thyroid, um, this is, I mean, if, I can leave one takeaway um, with uh, how to approach some of those symptoms of fatigue um, and just not being able to think clearly, depression. Um, I've had countless patients that say, um, I've gone and they told me my thyroid was normal. I've heard that a, a, a thousand times. And, yes, your thyroid probably is normal based on Normal conventional thyroid labs, like if you look at the lab report, and most conventionally trained doctors are they that 's just that box they 're in that box. I used to be in that box until I, I also as you um, probably note in the book, I, I also have a hypothyroidism, so all of these things were happening to me at the same time, so trying to figure out which one is is affecting you can be a challenge but I ended up going to a naturopath and to a more functional medicine doctor who really, um, they look at medicine differently. They have like different parameters for what they would consider normal or abnormal. And so, and that's why I ultimately went into integrative medicine because I realized that all of these years, you know, I'm thinking a certain way, but you have to include your diet, your stressors, and really looking at the root cause. So, You can definitely have that overlap in in symptoms. Um, I would definitely say look at your your thyroid. I can't tell you how to separate them out because it's almost impossible without looking at the lab work and looking at every single symptom. But know that there is an overlap and know that you want to look at your TSH and and, an additional thyroid lab to make sure you're not missing things. And again, you asked about going to the right provider, you really want to look at somebody who's more um, trained in integrated medicine or a functional medicine doctor who's really going to look at root cause as opposed to, hey, you know, just take this aspirin, um, you have a headache, you know, not looking at what is the reason why you're having the headache. Um, right. And adrenal is another mm-hmm. huge part. A lot of us have what's considered uh, adrenal fatigue, but again, conventional medicine doesn't really observe a Adrenal fatigue is an actual diagnosis, but we do know over time and with stress that our adrenal function goes down and that uh, definitely is going to affect our energy level, our cognition. Um, So again, I can't separate them out. All I can tell you is that it's this web of hormones and you really want to find a provider who can really sit down with you. And that uh, can unfortunately be a challenge. Um, And just know if you're feeling really poorly, Look at your thyroid, uh, especially if there's a lot of fatigue, weight gain, hair loss, and look at your values yourself, and then understand that the doctor tells you your thyroid is normal, it, 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 there's a very good chance that it actually isn't, and you want to find a, a practitioner that is going to really look at it, at your thyroid
1: in depth. Yeah, it sounds it sounds very complicated, and I think very overwhelming for many people. Um, because if you have some knowledge about medicine or if you're connected with the medical community, sometimes I feel it's easier to navigate the system. And for uh, people who don't have that same access, I, I imagine it must be very overwhelming. And to already have those symptoms of being exhausted yes. and ha- possibly having thyroid issues and possibly having a feeling in a depressive state. Um not knowing and the doctor's telling you oh your labs are fine and it you know it'll it'll you'll get over it or whatever take the aspirin um i imagine it must be quite overwhelming for many people um you mentioned headaches and we just have a couple of minutes in this segment but i'm wondering are migraines associated with this also is there some link there that you know of Um, you can with worsening PMS. Like if you got migraines,
2: you can get some worsening. Um, I don't. That's not the typical complaint from you know my patients, but you know that's just a thing. You can have really weird kind of symptoms. I have patients that one lady told me that she felt like every time she had a her orgasms now were like little. Little hiccups and coughs, as opposed to her orgasm, she thought that they they were just diminished, and she couldn't figure that out. And I was like, okay, I haven't heard that one, but um, everybody can have this unique thing, and they're like, what's going on? So, our, you know, our bodies are are all going to be different and have different symptoms. So, again, migraines could definitely be a part, but that's not the that's not um, something I say I see
1: commonly. Okay. So it sounds as if we all have to become much more self-aware and um, we have to sort of monitor how we live, what we feel, and how things are shifting for us individually. And then perhaps being much better about how we report when we go and see a physician so that we can give accurate information about shifts because it, it almost seems as if it's a shift as opposed to um, some symptom in a vacuum
2: yeah if- that's a good that's a really good way to describe it you're shifting it's like a slow moving shift though right and it's not like right. usually a jarring thing that happens but you're just noticing these changes over time and so there's that awareness and so I would say a, a great thing that you mentioned is just being aware, stopping long enough to be aware of what's actually happening. And I know again for me I was just running, running, running and I just I just wasn't aware. I didn't have that self and awareness, that body awareness and I just kind of just suppressed it. I just pushed it all down. I was like, Okay, you're depressed, you know, so what? Keep it moving. You know, and you're tired. Okay, everybody's tired. Keep it moving. You know, and you're whatever. just Keep it moving. But at some point, I just, I, I was like, no, this can't be normal, um, because this just can't be normal. I, I know I work hard. I, I, I know I can do this. Why do I feel so badly? So, and I feel for patients like you mentioned that don't have the access or understanding. That's why I say so important to educate yourself, and that's why I tried to simplify it in the book of this, no, these are the labs that you must have drawn, and you need to look at those values, and if, if their doctor isn't paying attention to that, then unfortunately, you've got to have the understanding to just get up and find another practitioner, but focus on one that really is going to help you with an integrative and more functional medicine approach.
1: Okay, that sounds like great advice. So we're going to head for another short commercial break. Don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more about the truth about menopause. Stay tuned. This is Perspectives. We will be right back.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, Blackberry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market. to a Healthier You. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into one 866 866 Four seven two five seven nine two. 5792 That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. 5792 You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at Kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives.
1: Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drvforkids at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear your questions and your comments. I'm here with Dr. Ariana, and we're talking about menopause. And honestly, there are so many questions and so many different perspectives that I think are important to cover that I know we won't get into all of them. Um... But I would like to have you tell us a little bit about diet and the impact it has. Um, You devote another chapter on um, food and inflammation, and um, you talk about what the gut has to do with it. And so I'm hoping that you could um, enlighten us in that area.
2: Sure. Um, One of the biggest triggers of some menopausal symptoms, including the hot flashes, Uh, are certain foods. Um, And so trigger foods can be spicy foods, alcohol. um, For some people, it's gluten. Um, Sugar is a big culprit. And so one of the first things I do um, with every patient is pretty much put them on what's called the food elimination diet. And the food elimination diet, um, usually people hear it and they kind of balk, like, oh, my God, what do you mean I can't eat that? But it's a short period of time where you're just not... Going to have most of what we call or consider trigger foods. And the best way to really see how your body behaves is to take out all those foods and then slowly bring them back one at a time so you can see how you actually respond. So um, we take out gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, soy, um, corn, and for some people, even nightshades. And um, nightshades are like tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants. And uh-huh. we take these foods out. Um, and even if you can't like quite wrap your brain around taking all of them out, I tell people at least take out the sugar and the alcohol and the gluten. If you can at least take out those triggers, you'll go a long way. And what I have found is that a good percentage of patients, at least 20%, 25% of them um, really do great. They don't really need a whole bunch more after they've recognized those foods that really give them night sweats. So, for example... Um, wine. I, I noticed for myself, I could, not, I could no longer drink red wine. I love red wine, but I realized I actually could drink vodka. So I became a martini drinker um, as opposed to a wine drinker as much. And now I can kind of tolerate it both or I just up my estrogen so I can take all of it. But um, there are things, if you eat sugar at night, um, that affects your blood sugar, especially while you sleep. So that can wake you up in the middle of the night. It can actually cause hot flashes. Most people recognize when they eat something spicy, it's the same thing. You can start sweating and feeling warm. So there are definitely some foods that your body may be more sensitive to. So your gut is a huge part of managing your hormones, not only just the food you eat, but how you eliminate your food. So, for example, estrogen concentrates in um, our stool and is... If we are not regular, then we are reabsorbing some of that estrogen, so you want to make sure that your diet is high in fiber enough so that you can stay regular so that you're not compounding some of the issues, and sometimes people think the issue is, oh, I don't have enough estrogen, but actually, you can actually have symptoms of too much estrogen, um, and because you're not ovulating, you don't have the progesterone to balance it, so it. It, again, it can be very confusing, but at the end of the day, we're trying to keep all of these hormones in some balance. Um, but food is, is just uh, the number one thing. If you don't have time to get to the doctor or you just feel too confused with all of this, I would say do the food elimination diet. It will probably, it's a very good chance to change your life just by taking those foods out and recognizing what they're doing. And you just do it for about 21 to 28 days.
1: Okay. So, and does that shift? I mean, if uh, suppose you are in perimenopause and you're having these symptoms at the age of thirty-five, and you do this food elimination diet and find various things are triggers, is it could the the foods that are triggers for you shift as you age, or is it pretty much if you can't tolerate red wine that that's it? You're pretty yeah. much yeah. No,
2: to. it 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 does tend to shift. Um, I've noticed that for myself personally, and you just kind of have to tweak, like, when you can take, you know, eat certain foods or, you know, how late you can eat certain foods. But I would say, overall, our bodies tend to get more sensitive to different foods, and I don't know the exact reasoning for that, but gluten in particular or dairy, there's certain things that you may have noticed you could eat before and you refine and now you eat them and you're like, oh, like I can't eat that anymore. And so our bodies, you know, our bodies are very intuitive. They know what it knows, what we want, and what we need and what it's not good for us. And I think as we age, we just have to be more mindful. You know, you have to work out harder to get the same result. you got to do more to get less, but the same as with food. You, you really have to start paying attention. And that has been a shift over your lifetime. Um, right. And that's very unique for every person.
1: So I keep coming back to, as I listen to you, I keep coming back to this concept of how important it is for each one of us to be very aware of of what works for us and what doesn't um, how we're feeling at any given point. And it's interesting because in a a mental health practice as mine, that's what I'm trying to teach all individuals to do. And it sounds like through this life change, that's also something that's very important for us to be aware of. And I also, I'd like your opinion too, but I feel like it's important not just for us as women to understand this and recognize it, but for our family members to also recognize it because, as you said some point earlier, how we feel impacts how we interact with those of us around us and how they interact with us. So it impacts our family life and our work life probably as well. Oh, yes. It can definitely be um,
2: an issue, especially, I mean, a family for sure, but at work. I mean, I've got patients, I mean, they just, you can become more intolerant of things at work that, you know, you were able to manage well, and then you just find yourself less and less tolerant. Well, the same thing um, can be happening. So, but at the end of the day, you're right. It boils down to self-awareness and educating yourself and empowering yourself because, uh, for too long, we have really expected our medical providers to just feed us. And, you know, like we're almost helpless. And, like, what does my doctor think? It doesn't, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what your doctor thinks. But really, um, we put way too much control and expectation into the hands of people who don't even understand our bodies as well as we could ever understand them. So you have to first, you have to be that first point of contact. You have to pay attention. You can't expect to go to a doctor and think that they're going to figure this out for you. Unfortunately, there are going to be a lot of parts of this that you have to figure out for yourself, which means you have to sit down. You know, maybe you have to do a food diary. Maybe you have to t- cut some things out. Maybe you have to really just start paying attention, being mindful. And, you know, it's, we, this word mindfulness just gets thrown around. and like, yeah, be mindful and take your time. But really being in the moment Stopping and saying, okay, what is really going on with me? And really, like, chronicling what is happening so that you can find the patterns. Um, And you can't do that when, you know, the typical mom, mother is just running around, dropping kids off here, doing this, all of the other things that we do. So it's easy to neglect what we need to do for ourselves. But this is what we need to be teaching our children. Um, Our husbands, our parents, yeah, they need to see it as well. Um, And and that's a whole other conversation, but just remember, women are going through menopause, but men are also going through their own change. And so it's a perfect storm because testosterone levels are declining. Men, they can be grumpier, less motivated, decreased libido, erectile dysfunction. So all of these things are happening in the midst of your little personal storm. And um, yeah, those worlds can collide
1: not so nicely. Well, yes. Yeah, so that, that's a lot of different stuff to consider. So how does um, treatment factor into this, like medical treatment, um, hormone replacement and stuff like that? How do, how do you integrate that with your patients then? Yeah, well, like I said,
2: I always try to start with diet. Um, I uh, believe that that is the really cornerstone of uh, getting the best a result, even if we do ultimately do hormone replacement, um, there are several supplements you know that can be helpful um, mm-hmm. that can just mitigate some of those symptoms. Um, I personally am a fan of hormone replacement, I'm a fan of bioidentical hormones, um, and all bioidentical means is that they're the identical hormones that your body makes as opposed to what a horse or a pig or some other animal makes. Um, so. Um, in low doses, really, the the research has has the, the pendulum has swung with the treatment. Um, so, with the WHI study years ago, they they preliminarily looked at that data, thought that you know women were dying and having all these other issues, and so they literally just kind of snatched estrogen out uh, of a lot of women's lives, and that that did create some havoc. Um, and now they've gone back and looked at that same study and saw some of the flaws in that and even subsequent studies. And so now we're really trying to tease that data down, looking at can we just give low-dose estrogen to perimenopausal women and what will that do? And what we found is that um, estrogen in the perimenopausal years, especially within the five years of menopause, really does not increase uh, the risk for breast cancer Um There's Estrogen has been, like, almost demonized. um, Because the breast cancer rates have gone up, that is not because people are taking more estrogen. Um, There are other environmental factors, genetic factors. Um, So I would say don't be afraid of it. Research it. Understand it. It's not for everybody. But in severe cases, um, we know that it can be very, very helpful. Um, Don't forget about progesterone. That's another hormone that... Actually, in the early perimenopausal years, a lot of the symptoms are really due due to low progesterone. So, a natural progesterone can do wonders for irritability and difficulty with sleep. Whereas later in the perimenopausal years and the menopausal year, estrogen is probably a better uh, hormone in that regard. And testosterone, which again is not, um, there is no FDA-approved testosterone for women um, outside of a, uh, a patch um, that includes estrogen. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of ways you can get testosterone. Don't be afraid of that either. We actually make more testosterone than we do estrogen, and we need testosterone. Um, So that's a whole nother conversation of uh, hormones, but I'm a fan, if you couldn't tell. Um, And then there's other drugs that are out there, gabapentin, antidepressants. um, There's a vaginal cream. So there's any number of of treatments that that depending on what your symptoms are, you can um, look into. But um, diet first, um, supplements and um, and hormones can definitely be
1: helpful. And so, you are you a fan of working with treating the symptoms as well as I mean, obviously getting to the root cause. But are you okay with doing things for the symptoms to just alleviate them outside of diet? Oh,
2: oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I have um, one, one patient in particular. I always think about her. Um, she came in her office with her husband. She was a hot mess. She was crying. I think even her husband was crying. It was not good. She was falling apart. And I knew that I could not give her this food elimination exercise. I knew that just wasn't going to work for her. Um, and she had every single, she, she was the, the poster child of, perimenopause, menopause. So I literally just put her on estrogen and, and I think some progesterone and maybe even a little testosterone, but mostly the estrogen so that she could be sane. Um, and I mean that in a loving, kind way. Um, right. She was literally a mess. And she came back a month later and then we could actually start the work of looking at all the other things. She ended up doing the food elimination. Everybody on the, in the family, now they're vegetarians and Everybody's a whole lot healthier, wants mom to get herself together. But sometimes you just got to go and get some relief, and then you can work on the problem. I'm not saying everybody, I've, there's, uh, there's only one or two patients I've ever done that for. But, um, yes, sometimes the symptoms, and we all, I always look at your labs, so I know that what the kind of the situation is, but we don't treat the labs. You know, I saw a right. patient today, she had low estrogen, but she feels fine. I'm not going to give her estrogen just because she her lab says she doesn't have a lot of it. We're going to look Do- at really what her symptoms are.
1: So, Dr. Ariana, we've run out of time, and I so appreciate your taking this time to be with us. I encourage everyone to... Go out and find Dr. Arianna Scholes-Douglas' book. It's called The Menopause Myth, What Your Mother, Doctor, and Friends Haven't Shared About Life After 35. It's been a real pleasure having you here on the show today and helping us look at this time of life in a positive light. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host for Perspectives. I look forward to being back with you next week for another edition. In the meantime, feel free to email me at drvforkids at yahoo.com with any questions or comments. Have a wonderful week. Until next time.
0: Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vedisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.